You're listening to RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven, a podcast designed to help financial professionals remove the fear and anxiety around going independent. Let's go. Welcome to RIA Collective, a podcast for financial advisors to take the fear and mystery out of going independent. My name is Charlie Van Derven. Uh, I'm a, I'm the host of RAA Collective. I also happen to own a firm called Social Advisors. Uh, we're almost nine years old. October 2013 was when we were founded. I had about 15 years of experience prior to starting Social Advisors. We'll get into all that, right? Um, I get to monologue here for 10 or 15 minutes. And while I talk a lot, often I don't talk to myself. So this will be a little interesting. Today is an introduction to this podcast. Now, There's been a need for this podcast for, as far as I know, quite a while. I've been part of this industry since 1998. Uh, Started with a company in Duluth, Minnesota, launching websites for financial advisors. And wow, that technology was pretty rudimentary back in the day. It's come a long time since then. We'll learn about all that, where I come from, and, and why I started this podcast, right? So since that, you know, getting started in the industry in 98, um, I've seen a lot of trends. The one trend that seems to have stuck around the most, and if anything, is gaining momentum, is that transition from the wirehouse captive environment into an independent environment. In fact, if you look at FINRA numbers year in and year out, like I happen to see, you will know that the number of registered reps and broker dealers with FINRA continues to decline. Now, of course, some of that's due to retirement, But a large portion of that is due to the fact that people are moving into that RIA space, dropping their seven, right? So um, this is something that I've seen since the beginning of my career. Um, You know, certainly I've written some blogs about it in the past, have thought about a book. A podcast was a really easy way to get the word out. So my experience has been in working with advisors, some of them, uh, or, or at least a theme is advisors, um, you know, most of you, right? You start with, you know, college, maybe a finance degree. Some of you got into the industry a different route, but finance degree in college, you graduate college, you go to work at one of the big firms. And in times past, when cold calling was still a thing, you find out when you get started with that firm that the most important skill that you have is not helping people. It's how fast you can dial the phone, right? You go from this altruistic approach to life, of course, creating a good income for yourself, but also helping others with their financial uh, lifestyle situation, you know, preparing for, for a successful future, only to find out that when you actually enter the industry, your ability to sell is the most important skill that you have got to acquire clients, right? Um, It's not the utopia. Maybe you think it is anyway. So when you work for a large captive firm, you've got certain biases, right? You've got certain products, you've got certain, service, uh, certain services, you've got, um, you know, quotas. Uh, it's, it's difficult to act as a fiduciary sometimes because you, you have to push your clients in one direction or another, as opposed to being able to provide the best service for that client, no matter the firm you work for. Right. So you pigeonhole a little bit once you go to work for one of those large firms. And so I've seen a lot of advisors migrate from that captive warehouse space into an independent space. A lot of them over the years, 23, 24 years in this industry dates myself a little bit, but, um, and, and surprises me when I say that 
But this is a recurring theme that's come up over and over and over. And I've seen advisors do it well. And frankly, I've seen advisors do it very, very poorly, some to the point where it was not successful, they left the industry. Others where they had to go through mediation and, you know, and fight Big Brother for whatever assets they could retain out of that book of business, right? So sometimes year and a half, two-year process to establish uh, with an independent broker-dealer or to establish your own RIA. So um, RIA Collective is a collection of interviews with leadership in the RIA space. And we want to answer a couple of questions, right? Why is that migration happening? I can share some of, uh, you know, some of my ideas with you, and they're plentiful. And most importantly, if you're a, a young advisor, I don't necessarily mean that in, in terms of age, but young in the industry, maybe you got started with a captive and you know a captive brand. Uh, you're an employee of a Morgan Stanley, a Merrill Lynch, a UBS, an Edward Jones, a Raymond James, a Wells Fargo, and a Ameriprise. The list goes on and on you maybe find yourself not exactly in the career position that you thought you were walking into. And so if independence is your future, this is a great show for you to get tips from people who have been through it before. People who have, you know, in one case, one of our interviews that we already have banked is Jeff Concepcion. He's our third or fourth interview. He's the CEO of Stratus Wealth, um, Stratus Wealth Partners. And that's a big OSJ at LPL. He has helped hundreds of advisors transition. So he's seen the difficult cases. He's seen the easier cases. Jeff can speak to the ways to set your practice up today for a successful transition, whether that's six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road. Now we're interviewing uh, Kelly Olchek's our first interview. So Mm -hmm. she'll be the next episode uh, once we launch this bad boy. Uh, And, uh, and Kelly, I've known Kelly for years. Kelly, you know, uh, financial services was not her first career. Uh, she got started in this industry with Edward Jones, transitioned away from Edward Jones, not an easy feat, went to LPL, took a big payout to do that, um, was there fairly briefly, decided that was not the independent she was looking for, paid a whole bunch of money back to LPL just to go right into her RIA. Wealth of knowledge there as well has been through so many situations that I learned from that you can learn from. So, our listening audience typically is, uh, you know, is a is an advisor who's near, new to financial services career, maybe has been, you know, with one of the big brands for three, five, seven years, and thinking about independence. Um, and uh, and our guests again, RIA leadership. Those interviews are so much easier for me than a monologue, right? So, um, so anyway, some some very worthwhile interviews. Um, we've got six in the bank right now. We're going to launch with six in addition to this episode. Uh, and what's cool is we're actually launching tonight, July fifth, twenty twenty two. So we got to make this thing work. I got to you know I got to get through this monologue today at some point. So anyway, thanks for being here. Hope you enjoy this episode. Going to give you a little bit of history on me. You know, a couple of reasons why I think we see that migration. Um, and, and then a further introduction into uh, what you can expect from RA Collective. So um, I got started with a company in Duluth, Minnesota in 1998 called 50 Below. If that's a familiar brand to you, well, I know you got some history behind you because <laughs> that's part of the Broadridge family now and has been for, I think, 12 or 13 years at this point. When I was hired at 50 Below, I was employee 12 or 13, very close to the nucleus. We were uh, we were developing websites for many of the captive firms, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, Ameriprise, RBC, Dane Rauscher, Hilliard Lyons, and a whole bunch of other firms that no longer exist. Um, and we were also we were also doing work in in four industry verticals. 
without getting into the details, uh, we I think we host about 50,000 financial advisor websites at our heyday uh, and, and several tens of thousands more when you include the retail verticals. This was, this was early technology, 50 Below wanted to be an e-commerce company, and ultimately that was what you know kind of put them in a bad position. Broadridge bought up their financial assets. I went to work for FMG Suite for a couple of years at the time, and, uh, and while I got a lot of love for FMG and the team there, I know a lot of those folks very, very well. Um, the model was always interesting to me, right? It was, it was early in email marketing and social media, and so FMG, if you don't know them, They've got a great website platform, and uh, and that website shares the same content as your social media, as your newsletter. The problem is, over the years, FMG's done a wonderful job for themselves in building a, a client list that's got to be 50, 60, 70,000 clients, perhaps. The problem is, there's 250 pieces of content. And so you've got 50, 60, 70,000 clients all flying the exact same content. I mean, I get a newsletter and, you know... I get seven or eight of the same newsletters pop into my inbox during the day. Now, um, when I started Social Advisors, we were white glove antithesis to that build it once, sell it many times model. You know, very much high touch with our client, high personalized service, personalized content, engagement strategies across social media. And we continue to be that today, right? So we are the folks that you partner with to tell your story instead of telling a general story. Right, personalized content goes such a long way in an industry that is, uh, you know, that's full of, call it, you know, canned pre-approved content. Whether it's FMG, whether it's the firm's content, you know, whether it's Advisor Stream or Up Content or one of the companies like that that you use Google Alerts to go find articles that fit the types of things that you want to talk about. Um, none of those are perfect. Of course, the regulators love those models, right? Because once they pre-approve the one time. And uh, in the case of FMG, they've got, you know, FINRA non-object letters associated with everything. So once that gets approved one time by the, by the broker dealer, it's really easy for them, right? They don't have to pre-approve anything anymore. And, uh, but again, the problem is that it's, it's, it's industry-focused content when the best content marketers are using content to build relationships, not just reinforce their expertise all the time. So anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Um, but that was the foundation of social advisors was really the white glove, um, highly personalized service in antithesis to the, you know, kind of canned services in the industry. Now, this migration that we, that we talk about and we see all the time, I mean, you know, even if you are listening from your position at Morgan Stanley, I know you know when one of your local advisors leaves the firm and goes independent because you got to hurry up and call their clients before they migrate, right? So that happens often, happens frequently. It's good for you. You get to add some assets to your book if you can, you know, if you can do the right things to retain those assets at Morgan or Merrill or whichever firm you're at. Um, but the question is why, right? Why are these people moving in this independent direction? Um, and probably those of you who are advisors for those large firms, you know the answer. I think number one is technology, right? It used to be 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, to get the best technology, you had to work at a large firm with deep pockets. It was that simple, right? Now, I think working at a large firm actually hinders you in, in regards to what you have access to for technology, right? Technology is a project at a large firm. When you're independent, you have 
you have an open market to choose from. You have competitors who are building the next best thing to get ahead of the competition, and that drives costs down, and it creates more available technology for you. Meanwhile, you take a Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo Advisors, they work on their marketing content, and I know that that's been a project for, for 2022 because I coach a couple of you know WFA advisors. Um, so they're updating marketing technology for the first time in seven or eight years. So that technology that they implement in 2022, it's going to be awesome. But for how long, right? Where the open market is actually evolving while this project gets completed, an update to that project might get slated for 2025, but the open market is racing past what then is available at that large firm. Um, I can tell you compliance is another reason. I watched a young man who I worked with at AXA. I coached him. He was an AXA advisor. Um, I watched him start his RIA simply because he could not post on Instagram. That was his reason. And I can't blame him, right? If he, young man, right? So, you know, a 20-something advisor and his client base or his prospect base was on Instagram. And the firm wouldn't allow him to post on Instagram. So he said, I can't build my business adequately. And he then moved on to an RIA. I think he started his own. So um, compliance, technology, payouts, right? Uh, as far as I know, most of the time payouts get updated, less goes to the advisor, right? Um, you know, biases, right? Quotas, incentives, things that, you know, maybe certain products and service mixes are proprietary to the firm, which means if you've got to push those products and services, are you truly acting as a fiduciary in the best interest of your clients? I don't know. Some would say no. Some would say in order to be a true fiduciary, you have to be independent, right? Because as long as you're under the umbrella of one of those firms, you're going to act according to what the firm makes available to you as opposed to what's best for your clients. So if you're a true fiduciary, you know, maybe you need to be independent, right? So anyway, there's a variety of reasons that people have gone independent. Again, RIA Collective is about interviewing leadership at the RIA firms, folks that have been through the exact same things that you're going through now, have broken away, have gone independent, and have either done it successfully or, or you know, struggled with it to finally get over that hump. They're going to bring wisdom to you. Sean Pauly, uh, one of our early interviews, uh, Pauly Wealth Management in um, Orlando, Florida. Sean's awesome. And he's got a team of two advisors now in addition to himself. That's a growing RIA. That's a great interview. So um, I think that's our third or maybe fourth interview. I don't know. Anyway, so they'll roll out in order. Um, tune into RA Collective. We're going to bring wisdom from these leadership in the RA world to help advisors who are in a situation that, frankly, they're done with, help them best position to move to independent, right? Don't make that move drastically. Plot it out. Understand what your timeline is. Make a plan for each month along those timelines on, on how you're better positioning yourself to retain more assets when you make that move. And listen to RA Collective for tips from RA leadership to take the fear and the mystery out of going independent. Now, a lot of these folks that I'm interviewing, they're recruiting also, they're growing their firm. So it could be that they create a nice soft landing place for you. 
everybody to this point has said, yes, by all means, if you have questions or ideas or you're looking to make a move, contact me. So you get a little bit of feel for, for what their firm looks like, what you're walking into and get acquainted with them through interview on RA Collective. Now, if you like this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe. I'd love for you to know when the new episodes come out. Um, our goal is to record three a week. We'll see if we can actually make that happen. Might be closer to two, um, but you have to have a goal and uh, set a lofty goal because the worst thing you can do is achieve a small one, right? So tune into RA Collective. If you like what you're listening to, also visit our website, racollective.com. Uh, leave us a review there. Leave us a review on the on the various listening platforms. And of course, I'm always looking for for people to interview. So if you know somebody who would be good for uh, good for an interview on on RA Collective, send them my way. I'm really easy to locate uh, either at social-advisors.com or on LinkedIn. I've got a pretty unique name, Charlie Van Derven. There's only one of me out there. That's probably a blessing for the rest of the world. Thanks for listening to my monologue. I feel like I'm going on and on and on, but I promise you the interviews and that back and forth, they create some more, you know, some good banter. So tune into the next episode with Kelly Olchek. And again, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Um, if there's anybody you think we should be interviewing, send them my way. And uh, if you've got, you know, if you know of any young advisors who are in that captive environment and feel stuck looking for movement, um, certainly turn them into turn them on to RAA Collective so we can drop some wisdom on them. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another episode of RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven. For more information, visit riacollective.com. Now have a great day.